0: This is Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> redo oh, it, hell. redo it.
2: Welcome to Goodfellas Ship, a Christ-centered podcast from three average college students. We hope you enjoy.
3: This is Thomas. This is Seth. This
1: is Nick. Welcome to uh, Good Fellowship, a christ Center podcast from three average college students. <clears throat> we have a very special show today. Seth, do you want to go ahead and uh, tell them why?
3: Yeah, we actually have our first guest ever to the show, so mm. that's exciting. That's our uh, live audience. We
1: just hired them, actually? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Quiet down. Okay.
3: So we have Hannah Efall here today. She's a junior at Fairmont State University, mm. and is from Mannix in West Virginia. Ugh. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Well, I think you just did there, Seth. The <laughs> <truth>. <laughs> I don't <True>. you. <laughs>
3: is that everything about you?
2: I mean, you know, I'm I'm a Christian. That's why I'm here. Oh, and yeah. um, I'm, uh, I'm here to I'm speak here. to you guys today. That's
3: <laughs> why we're all here. Yes.
2: And I also say over yonder
3: and There crick. you go. Is that
1: what, is that a manning thing? They say crick and over yonder and biscuits on butter or something like that? Mo-
2: most definitely, yeah.
0: Already well, happy happy twins.
2: <laughs> Not quite. Okay. Yeah, like twins. Uh, there you
0: go. Twins, yeah. <laughs> So let's uh break the bread nice. today. Uh, Is that trademarked yet? No, we'll we, we can't. <laughs> uh, for our What Do You Have segment, uh, we've asked Hannah to give a short testimony, not a Seth testimony. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> sorry. We're
1: trying to keep it under three hours this time. <laughs> so. <laughs> so Hannah, uh, whenever you're ready.
2: All right, well, this will be short. Like I said, only an hour and 30 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually grew up in a Christian home. Um, always went to church because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And uh, really, I didn't... Even think about God, like I didn't. I didn't pray. I didn't um, read my Bible until I got to high school, and when I got to high school, I realized. I mean, looking back now, I see that I was very worldly. Um, I just did whatever I wanted to and whenever I felt like it, and because of that, I like I took on basically the anxieties and the cares of the world as well. Mm. And so when when I did that, I started experiencing um, <clears throat> panic attacks a lot, and um, because of that I became very depressed like I couldn't drive five minutes down my road let alone um, go hang out with my friends anymore like it was just I was on home confinement and I really didn't even know why and so it wasn't till I actually one night like I never told my parents what was going on and one night I literally just blurted out to my dad I was like I'm thinking about suicide and he got really freaked out from that point on, and he tried to explain to me, you know, like, I needed to read. I needed to pray. I needed to ask God to heal me, and, like, little did he know, I was like, I've already done that, you know. Like, I just – I didn't understand what was going on, and um, so he put me in therapy, and I was like, crap, I'm one of those kids. Like, I need <laughs> therapy. Great. <laughs> and um, so it didn't really help because no matter – what she would ask me if it was a personal question or something like that, like I would always lie to her. And um, I realize now that I just wanted someone to know everything, but to still love me through it. And that is the definition of a relationship with Jesus. I now know, Um, but so it didn't work out with um, talking to her. So I decided to get on antidepressants and um, that's when I hit my low and I hate to say this, like, it makes me sick to my stomach when I think about it, but, like, the antidepressants became kind of, like, my God, because they were what, they were keeping me half alive. Like, I was starting to feel normal. And um, so, at that point, um, within myself, I decided uh, I don't believe in God. He doesn't exist. And um, to come to that realization, like, it just, it broke me, like, everything. And um, I just kept I kept trying to live, you know, on the drugs. And I say drugs, you know, they were prescribed, but that's what they were like. They took over my life. Mm. And um, I had a lot of thoughts, you know, awful thoughts. But there was one that was just very persistent at that time. And it was like, get off of the medicine. If you trust me, get off of the medicine. And, like, I didn't understand what was going on because at this point I decided God wasn't real. But everything in me knew that this was God saying that to me. And so when I finally did that, um, my life, you know, I had my rough days, but it became progressively better. And at this time, I was a sophomore in college, and I just found um, Chi Alpha. And it was amazing to me that God would, for one, prove himself up until this point when he didn't have to, and then turn around and bless me with a group of friends um, that taught me how to be in a relationship with him. And so... um, yeah, that's how I got here today. Um, my life group leaders, they taught me how to read and pray and actually um, give as much as God was giving to me, and so that's my background.
3: Wow, that, that's really awesome, Hannah, and I actually remember the first time I heard your testimony was that, um, well, while we were preparing to go on the Yukon mission trip, and honestly it just blew me away, so the way you can just be real with everyone, um, not just like close friends, but just everyone, its it's really awesome, so...
1: Yeah, it's a very powerful testimony for sure. I know yes. there's a lot of people that aren't, don't like to be real with these situations, but that's what I love about this show is we can be real and say, this is what we've been through and this is what Hannah's been through. And look how far you've come from this. Yes. Yeah, it's that's amazing. Good.
2: Yeah.
1: So it is really hot in this room. Man, it's hot. Really? Uh seems pretty lukewarm if you ask me.
2: Hey, sir, you're fired.
1: That's not the audience. That's actually uh, neck clapping. Anyway, that, that's actually a great transition, because today we're going to be talking about lukewarm Christianity and what that entails exactly. Uh, we divided it in four sections. We all have one, including uh, Hannah. And it's really cool, because we went over the notes together, and we're all sort of on the same boat, kind of to kind of speak. We all have the same ideas, but they just connect back to each other. So uh, Seth, you want to start us out?
3: Yeah, so I actually went ahead and looked up the definition for it, and I found a couple of different de- definitions for the word. One, being lacking conviction or being ha- half-hearted about things. And two, non- non-enthusiastic or not having or showing energy or excitement. So to me, being lukewarm really just leads to having a stagnant relationship with God. And when I mean stagnant, I also looked up the definition for this. It um, means not flowing or running, um, stale or foul standing, and characterized by a lack of development or advancement, and also inactive or sluggish. So, to me, being a lukewarm Christian is simply being content with your relationship with God. Now, that might not sound too bad, but when you actually think about it, it really means that you're half-heartedly being a Christian. This means you're half-heartedly serving God, you're half-heartedly praising God, you're half-heartedly praying and communicating with God, and ultimately, you're half-heartedly loving God. So, how do we keep from being lukewarm? And honestly, I find myself asking this question a lot, um, just to be real with you all. There are steps that we can take to do this, and I found about, for myself, three steps. One, we can believe in Him. Two, we can remain in Him. And three, we can follow Him. So obviously, first and foremost, we have to believe in Him. Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 38, that whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water flow from within him. This really just means the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we must remain in Him. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, Just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with faithfulness. I like how Paul tells the Colossians to be rooted in Jesus. Just like a tree without roots will never grow, if we are not rooted in Jesus, we're never going to truly grow closer to Him, closer to the One that created us. So, we remain in Him by being intentional every day in accordance to His will. We pray and communicate with our Father, we praise and worship our Creator, and we read and discover the truth that lies within the Scriptures. And lastly, we just follow Him. We follow Him by living in true obedience to His commands. So by doing all these things, we are ultimately loving God, which means we are wholeheartedly living in Him and loving Him. If we wholeheartedly love God, we will give our best effort to make Him happy and bring glory to His name. That's, so really that's good. Yeah, that's about what I got. Yeah. I like that a lot, Seth. I really
1: do. Especially what you said about living half-heartedly for God.
3: Yeah. Like, I think
1: that brings the question, is there something you wouldn't do for God? Is there something that you hold on to so dearly that you wouldn't give up for Him? That's a, that's a t- tough question you have to ask yourself sometimes. You know, to, It's a really yeah. hard question, and I struggle with that a lot of the time. You know, there's things I want to hold on to that God asks me to get rid of or asks me to give up. <clears throat>
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of times, like like I said earlier, we 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 come content with our relationship with God, mm-hmm. but then really we we say that, but we're just being lazy. Yeah. We don't want to dig in Scripture. We don't want to really listen in prayer. Um, we don't want to take the time to praise our God. Like it's just little things like that. But then that'll create a spiritual downward spiral within mm-hmm. us. It's a good example. <laughs>
1: That's really good. Yeah. All right. Now for me, um, I've been going through the Book of James and. It's not necessarily a rule book, but it's more of a test to see if your faith is as true as you claim. And I'm gonna be real, honestly, reading this. I'm I'm a hypocrite. Like I'm very hypocritical in a lot of things I do, and I think that's a lot of lukewarmness. I'm gonna keep that word, because there's there's a lot of things that I read here, and I'm and I justify against them. I'm like I don't really have to do this, or I guess I'm better than this for some reason. Uh, but going through James, I found three big characteristics of a Christian, of a lukewarm Christian, and I wanted to elaborate on them. Um, there, there are a lot of them but at the end I'll try to cover a few more but I want to go into detail about these three specifically uh, number one lukewarm Christians listen to the word but do not do what it says James 1 says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says uh, I connect that back to I was reading the book of Nehemiah and the Israelites in Nehemiah completely offended God by intermarrying with the people there and that led to complete moral destruction And in Nehemiah 8, Ezra actually stands up and reads the Word of God, and the people will start crying, they start repenting, and they just start feeling terrible about their sinning. But in Nehemiah chapter 9, it says, But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in God's sight, and this led to even more destruction. So with that, we learn, lukewarm Christians hear God's Word, and they may believe it for a little bit, but they don't stand on it. They hear it, then forget. Second point that I found, lukewarm Christians show favoritism. This is a really big one. Uh, James 2, 1-6 says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, You stand here or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Um, so that brings up the question, why is, is favoritism forbidden? And I'm going to use a Matt Chandler example here. It, pretty much when we show favoritism, we are completely dishonoring God and underestimating the power of God to work through anyone. And here's the example. So suppose I play intramural basketball and I'm, I'm okay, I'm decent, you know, I ball occasionally. So I go out, I get LeBron, I get Kobe, like, oh, one Kobe in his prime. I get Larry Bird from 30 years ago, and I get Damian Lillard, who's a top three point guard right now. No, he's not. He's good. And so with this, with this team, we go out, we win every single game. Now on the opposite end, there's Hannah. And let's say Hannah's this beast of basketball, you know?
2: All right, I am not good at basketball. I played once, <laughs> made a shot, and yelled ball is life and ran away.
1: <laughs> so Hannah's, Hannah's ball is life, so you know she's good. And so she gets a, t- a team together of scrubs. And we'll just say the Scrubs are Nick and Seth. And so they start playing games. Okay. And they win. I'll take that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) A little shot there. You can see that coming. They win because Hannah's so good and she just dominates the game. Ball is life right there. (laughs) (laughs) So they win the game because Hannah dominates and Seth and Nick just watch. They just sit around and watch her dominate. All right. So in 10 years, no one on the opposing team is going to remember you two. They're going to remember Hannah taking over the game. They're going to marvel at the fact that Hannah took a team of (laughs) nobody's. Wow, maybe it looks strange. This is this is rough. I'm not gonna lie. We'll right. miss through. I promise. I like it.
2: I don't know what you guys are. What are, what are you complaining about?
3: Nick left, so it's he's just, gone. Just
1: me now. Oh, he's back here. He comes. <laughs> so Hannah takes a team of nobodies and makes them great. And so it's like that with Jesus. Jesus puts the, puts together a team of the weakest people and the poorest people. He doesn't show favoritism. Why? Because it honors him. Because people can look back and say, "Look at what Jesus did through them," and not look what they did. So when we show favoritism, we're not just dishonoring people, but we're robbing God of glory. And that's a
3: mm-hmm. that's a oh big my. factor. Even though you call us nobodies, that's still really good. So <laughs> well, I
1: apologize. And no, that's cool, that's cool. Seth
3: is actually decent at basketball. <laughs> robbing God of glory.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the third point is lukewarm Christians have no deeds but their faith. James two, fourteen through seventeen said. Says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and be, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead.
2: Hmm.
1: Now, I'll never sit here and say that you need works or deeds for salvation. That's unbiblical, that's untrue. But when you have a true relationship with Christ, the deeds and works overflow from your faith, and that's the mark of a true, your Definitely. true faith. Definitely. So some examples like Abraham, uh, he didn't have to sacrifice his son to earn salvation, but the fact that he was willing to do it showed his love for God. Hmm. So deeds came from faith. Yes. And I just believe once God is truly revealed to us, we develop a faith that can't help but prove, you know, that we love God and trust him. Hmm. And so that, that's really three major things that I've had on my heart lately. There's, the whole book of James is just like, it'll slap you in the face if you... Call yourself a Christian and it'll teach you the truth like James 3, 3 through 12 says a lukewarm Christian doesn't control their tongue. Or James 4 says a lukewarm Christian envies other people and envies what they have. James 5 talks about suffering and says a lukewarm Christian is impatient in suffering. We kind of discussed that yesterday a little bit and we can talk about that some other time. But yeah, that's what I got for that.
0: That was really good. (laughs) No, seriously, that was really, really
1: good. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. Tommy's game, no. <laughs> ball in today. Bible
0: think, is life. I think James is a great book. And I like how you talked about, um, you know, what we act comes from our faith. Like, we act in a way uh, in the faith that we claim, you know. we we'll yeah. act because we love God. And, yeah, that was, yeah, that was dope. That was real. <laughs> I like that a
1: lot. I appreciate it. Um,. Dang, I don't even want to go. No, yeah. the red carpet's rolled out, just step on it, you got it. All right,
0: so I guess I will go. Um, So I've been, my devotion time has been in Luke, and every message that, you know, on these podcasts that we've talked about, I've used Luke, and Luke is a really cool book, and I really enjoy it. So I want to start off um, in Luke chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 22, uh, then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will, but he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. And, yeah, that that ripped me apart. Um, And instantly uh, I felt, you know, convicted in that. And so I want to start off by saying, like, uh, the call to Christ is narrow. You know, the call to Christ is a commitment. The call to Christ is obedience. You know, we as people are a house. And in that, the owner or buyer has a responsibility of choosing which house is fit for him. He also has the ability to close the door on the house that has already been purchased, not allowing those who aren't chosen to be let in. You know, we are called to be obedient to his word, you know, living in, a, in accordance to what he has already set in place for us. There is no room for lukewarm Christianity. There is no room for justification of our sin. There is no room for our desires of conformance to this world. In you know, Romans 6.1.2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? You know, When will we stop living in our filthy ways? When will we stop justifying our sin by saying we are sinners? Are we not called to be righteous? Are we not called to abide in Christ and Christ alone? We have to stop belittling the cross. We have to stop being cocky in our salvation. A call to Christ is a call to work. Our faith works, like you said in James. Uh, and it says, but we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. It isn't enough to be existent in this world. We must dedicate our entire being to Christ. It is not enough to use being human as an excuse because one day he may say to you, I don't know you. We've been set free from our infirmity. We've been given the opportunity of the door and we can and should have faith in the fact that we will prevail, but why? Because Christ prevailed and our lives reflect that heavily. This life is not ours and is not for us. It is his and his alone, which brings me to my next point. Uh, In Luke 17, let me go to it real quick. Uh, Starting in seven, it says, Suppose one of you had a servant, plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. Yeah, man. Luke's real. Um, And so what does this mean, you know? it means that we are God's servants. We do what we do in accordance to His will. We act out of our our obedience to Him. There's been this misconception, I believe, of our Christian duties being only done in order to receive a blessing from God. In actuality, the blessing is that you are able to live freely through Christ, that you have been given life, that you have been made a servant of His. You You have been handed eternity, in that comes responsibility, not to receive more, but to live in response to that gift alone. It is our duty to serve Christ. Praise God you've been given that opportunity. You know, lukewarm, lukewarm, lukewarm to me is another word for mediocrity. You know, the cross was not mediocre. It fulfilled his promise to us and to God. Your obedience to him is out of your love for him and the love he so graciously poured out upon you. You know, sing to him, praise him, reflect him well. Give your all to Christ because Christ, Christ gave his all to you. And that's all I got.
1: Wow. <laughs> wow. Can you, uh, can, can you just imagine how scary it would be there to get to heaven and you think, I'm in for sure? Yeah. Or to get to the gates and God's like, nah. I, I don't know who you are. I've never known you. Wow. <laughs> you know? It's like they say, probably say in Mannington, you know, I'd, I'd be hollering like a stuck pig. Okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> a stuck pig. That's <laughs> what I everyone, like, uh, He Googled that. <laughs> he literally Googled I that. I know my country sayings.
2: I don't quite understand that, but okay. Sure. Hey,
0: yeah, but yeah, yeah, I mean... That really does scare me.
1: It does, you happen. know, and, um,
0: and it should. It should scare us. Like, I don't it, think the fear uh, should should cause us to act, though. But our no. our love should cause us to act, yes. you know. And the fact that it says, you know, the narrow door, you know, that ripped me, man. I just sat there. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do after I read it. Um, and if I truly claim to love God, you know, I should reflect that, right? You know, I should live as a representation of Him. You know, the, the cross was not mediocre. Uh, yeah.
2: Well, that it should just be an overflow of love of, like, yeah. mm-hmm. what that sacrifice means to you. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And now we come to the uh, the star of the hour, Hannah. No, 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 all righty.
2: Here we go. No, no, no.
1: Get your feathers all ruffled. <laughs> <laughs> that one was also Google. Okay. All
2: right. No, you didn't come up with that? No? Eh, okay. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so, um, kind of like Seth, I looked up the definition of lukewarm Christianity, and I kind of got fixated on the half-hearted. And it, like, I looked up that, and it really means, like, lacking zeal, like, little zeal, which is love or enthusiasm, and uh, that really hit home, because when you think about, as Nick said, you know, the the cross and everything, like, you, you should get excited and want to just do God's work, and, um, but the question that came to my mind was just, is there anything that I wouldn't do for God, and if... If I'm saying, oh, I wouldn't do this or I wouldn't do that, then you are lukewarm because Mm. there should be nothing that you hold hold back from God. Mm. And um, in Matthew 5, 13, he says, if you are not with me, you are against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad, which means if you're not gathering for his kingdom, if you're not um, with him, then you're scattering abroad, which is obstruction of the kingdom of God and I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to um, go against the winning team that we already know is going to win. Mm-hmm. So, um, really, in this aspect, we're kind of like when we're lukewarm, we're trying to hold on to our lives. And really, God says if you try and hold on to it, you will surely lose it. Um, which brings me to Second Timothy three, where these people they they love their life and they you know they try to gain life without God. And it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, non-lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a little form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. And that brings me to my next point where if... If he's saying, have nothing to do with them, then that just, there's no community with lukewarm Christians. And in verse 6 it says, And they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed away by all kinds of evil desires. And I just want to stop right there because it goes back to what Nick said. You know, on earth we can worm our way into people's homes, make them believe that we're Christians, make them believe that we're all in for God. But really, when it comes down to it, when we get to those gates, God's going to be like, no, like, I don't know you. There's no fooling me. Mm -hmm. Because in Revelations, it says, I know your deeds, that you are not hot or cold, and I wish you were one or the other. And so, um, yeah, I'm just going to go into verse seven, because I think that speaks for itself. Um, Verse seven says, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so... It kind of hits on what Tommy said, like, everything's just coming together. Like, Christians hear the truth, they hear the knowledge, but they they can't obtain it, and they don't live it out because of that. And I think, for me, what two things stood out was um, conviction and love for God when it comes to lukewarm Christianity. Conviction, and I'm quoting um, Matt Slick, it's conviction of sin that brings a man to the cross and shows him the need for forgiveness, and then... um, the love, which this is me talking, not Matt Slick, um, <laughs> for the cross, that, that sacrifice that makes us want to give up everything in our lives um, and follow him. And so for me, um, that really speaks to the heart. And um, in First Peter 3, uh, verse 15, it says, But in your hearts, revere God as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to the reason for the hope that you have. So in that, I looked up the word revere. And it means feel deep respect or admiration for something. And there was also another word that was similar to it, and it said uh, it was veneration. And that that definition just, that is exactly what we should have. And it's great respect or all of something inspired of the wisdom or dignity of that person. And it's to honor with devotion. And in its simplest form is to worship. And I think that worship from our heart leads to the actions that we have. And I like how, um, going back to Tommy again, always going back to him. Hey, I'm okay with that. (laughs) He said um, how Abraham, you know, he was willing to sacrifice uh, Isaac no matter what. And I think I like what God says here in uh, Genesis 22 too. He says, then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, and sacrifice him. And I just want to bring that back to our personal lives. Like put whatever it is that you hold dear, that you might hold between you and God you know, take that, what you love, and sacrifice it. God right. is saying sacrifice it for our relationship, and that's what Abraham had to do for his and God's relationship, you know. And so it just brings me back to my original question. What is it that you wouldn't do for God? And if you if there's something that you wouldn't do for God, then that is lukewarm Christianity.
1: Wow. That's, <laughs> that's really that's good. That's very true. That was really good. That's definitely, you know, everything you said, Hannah, is very true in, in the sense that I think... You know, we need to look at our lives and say, what is holding me back from my relationship with God? Or what am I putting on the throne, you know, of my heart wow. that's holding me back? And I think even we encourage you all, our viewers, to, to pray about it and look at your heart and look at what comes before God and, and sacrifice that as Abraham did. You know, it's very, very important. But yeah, that was definitely awesome, Hannah. We should have gotten you a, uh, a pew to speak on. <sighs> what? It's a pulpit. Oh, crap it
3: is. Dang it. You know what will pew you? Wow, Tony, that's a very lukewarm joke, wouldn't you say?
1: Okay, we're going to end the show on that note. <laughs> uh,
3: we're going to wrap it up. I I think uh,
1: there's a proverb. It's an old, I think it's a Chinese proverb I was reading. I want to bring it up. It kind of wraps the show yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, um, because you're hot, then you're cold. You're yes and you're no. You're, you're, and you're, you're, up, 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 and you're up and you're down. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> I really hate
2: coming uh, on the show. That <laughs> might, just might be Katy Perry, actually. there. She's not Chinese. Yeah. That can't be her. We grew fond of her. <laughs> 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 All right, so
1: anyway, uh, thank you for joining us. It was, it was, Hannah, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me. It was an honor. We definitely want to have you back Definitely. a lot. So prepare for us. Oh, okay. Prepare for that phone call that Seth's going to give you.
0: Hey. Uh, follow us on Instagram at goodfellowship. Okay. It's, it's good regular then fella is F-E-L-L-A Ship. Okay. And then follow us on Facebook as well. It's also good fellowship. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Yeah. My
1: space will be up soon. So hope don't, don't look for us there actually. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah it's um, been good. Good fellowship. Bye.